One amazing thing about Pentecost was as they were gathered to worship and the Holy Spirit came upon them, just like we kind of sang now, there were people from all over the world, let's just say. And everyone heard the gospel that day in their own language. God also gave these men who were there the ability to speak in tongues, literally, so that people who've never heard the gospel before in their own language could hear the gospel. And that's just, uh, just something amazing and wonderful about our God that happened also on the day of Pentecost. I couldn't get the Korean thing going. Did anybody else get that? The Spanish was a little lower for voices, so that was nice. But it was wonderful. Thank you for the new song. But not every Sunday, right? At least in Korean. Let's just uh, go with that. But thank you, Kyle and Praise Team, for doing that with us. We're talking about a Christ-transforming culture, how, how we are called as, as Christians to touch the hearts and lives of those in the places that we live and point them to Jesus Christ. And over the next, oh, maybe three weeks or so, we're going to be talking about a, a specific part of this transforming when we talk about the Bible and human sexuality. Because part of transforming culture is to transform the mess that we've made, if we can say it in that sense, and really those outside of Christ, of our culture and how they live, especially when it comes to human sexuality. Uh, so this morning, I'm going to be dealing with uh, sexual immorality as found in Galatians 5. At least a, a part of the message will deal with that, how we're not supposed to live, because there's so much sexual immorality in our culture. Next week, the Lord willing, Pastor Mark is going to be dealing with human sexuality, and he'll be sharing with us for those, uh, our church is a part of the Christian Reformed Church. And there's a report that's going to send in next year of about 170 pages, maybe. He's busily reading through that, but that this is a report that will make a stance on, the, on biblical human sexuality. And the Lord willing, the week following that, I'm going to be asking the question, which many of us parents often sometimes struggle with, should I allow my son or daughter to move in with his girlfriend or boyfriend? What about cohabitating? And what does the Bible teach about living together? And is it a sin? So the next three weeks, we're going to be talking and using even the word sex, sexuality quite often. As a parent, if you're uncomfortable with that, we're giving you a heads up. And if not, make sure when you go home and they're here to explain or if your children have questions about that. Well, those are over for the next uh, three weeks, Lord willing. This morning we turn to Galatians chapter 5, a passage that deals with uh, sexual immorality and, and what it's like to live life by the Spirit. I just want you to get that, that phrase in, in your head and in your hearts right now. What does it mean to live when we live a life by the Spirit and in the Spirit? Galatians chapter 5, verses 13 to 26, and uh, let's hear the word of the Lord together. Paul writes, you, my brothers and sisters, were called to be free, but do not use your freedom to indulge the flesh. Rather, serve one another humbly in love. For the entire law is fulfilled, keeping this one command, love your neighbor as yourself. If you bite and devour each other, watch out or you will be destroyed by each other. So I say, walk by the Spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the flesh desires what is contrary to the spirit, and the spirit what is contrary to the flesh. They are in conflict with each other, so that you are not to do whatever you want 
but you are led by the Spirit. You are not under the law. The acts of the flesh are obvious. Sexual immorality, impurity, and debauchery, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions, and envy, drunkenness, and orgies, and the like. I warn you, as I did before, that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking and envying each other. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. For those of you who are maybe in high school, maybe juniors or the like, or young adults who have been living at home, can you begin to imagine what it might be like for you when you finally leave home? Or maybe even younger than that. Because you see, when you live home with mom or dad or grandpa or grandma or someone else, there's things called rules you need to live by. Certain way that you order your life. There are things you may do and there are things you may not do. And one of those things is this thing called a curfew. And sometimes a parent and a child can kind of get in a spat about that because, well, somebody else at school or, or your best friend has a later curfew than you do. And you'd like the same option to have in your home. You see, when you live under, under the, the auspices of, of a, a father or a mother or a grandfather or a grandmother or another adult, you have rules to live by. I remember the first time that I left my home. It was at 18 when I, when I went on to Calvin College. I, I kind of remember leaving and feeling like, freedom! <laughs> Just freedom. Freedom to make my own rules. Freedom to live as I please. Some of you can relate to that when you left home. And if you're 35 or 40, I'm sure remember that time to move on and you can move on out. You know, it's time. But there's this thing about having, having the right to live as you please and want to live as you please and to have your own set of rules. Galatians 5 verse 1 tells us very clearly, it says, listen, Paul writes, you have been Set free. Now, the, all of Galatians deals with this, this tension between law and grace. Being under the law, following the law, living according to the law. And then this thing since Jesus came about living under grace and this tension that exists. And that was what's going on in these Galatian churches. A number of the Judaizers, these people who were, who were brought up under the law, Wanted to keep the law central in their lives. Jesus comes along and says, the law is still good because it can point you to your sin. But since I'm here now and since I sent you your spirit, there's this other thing called living in the spirit. 
and the Gentiles were coming into the church and the Jews were saying, here's all the laws you've got to live by. The what? How many? The uh, 163, 663 laws, whatever to live by. And the Gentiles are saying, really? We've got to follow all of these laws, all of these do's and don'ts that, that you guys do? Paul says, listen, now specifically speaking to these Judaizers, you've been set free from the restraints of the law. You have a new freedom that you have to live in Christ. And it's different than how, now listen carefully, how you lived and ordered your life before. Not that the law is going to be different, but there's a different focus. In fact, what he's talking about, he says, listen, your acceptance to God through Jesus Christ is no longer based on how well you obey the law. Listen carefully. Your relationship to me as God is no longer based as someone who is under the law, this list of do's and don'ts. Let's just even say the Ten Commandments, where the focus has been for centuries before Jesus came. Now he says, listen, you are no longer based your relationship with me in the law. Now you base your relationship on me through Jesus Christ and the sending of the Holy Spirit in Christ. What this simply is called, this is a doctrinal term, Justification. Justification simply is this. Jesus Christ died. Jesus Christ obeyed the law perfectly for everyone here this morning. Those he calls to himself. He says, listen, you are declared righteous not because of anything you've done to obey the list of do's and don'ts that God has laid down. But you are considered righteous before God only on the basis of Jesus Christ and Jesus Christ alone. It's not Jesus plus the law. It's not Jesus and how well you keep the law because you can't and I can't. Justification simply says, I declare you righteous and I accept you totally and only based on Jesus Christ and his work on the cross. Galatians 2 verse 16 says, Know that a person is not justified by the works of the law, but by faith in Jesus Christ. So we too have put our faith in Christ Jesus, that we may be justified by faith in Christ and not by works of the law, because the works of the law, by the works of the law, no one will be justified. Some of us have to get this in our heads and in our hearts and maybe get it back in there because it's kind of maybe been forgotten. For Christians, listen carefully so you do not misunderstand me. You are no longer under the law. You are now under grace, says Paul. And, and there's this thing about understanding that you've been set free. You see, the law can be this, this burden. It can be something that restrains you because you're so focused and, and, and almost in bondage to the law because you can't keep it. Jesus comes along and says, listen, let me tell you something about who I am and who the Spirit is and how you can now live by grace, under grace and under the law. And I've set you free now. We are set free from the restraints of the law. That doesn't mean we don't obey the law anymore. I'll get to that in a moment. But you are set free from the restraints of that. Your obedience is the only way you would be accepted by me. Jesus says, no, it's through me and through the Spirit. And, and sometimes you just have to say it. And I want you to say it this morning. Repeat after me. I have been set free. I've been set free. We're going to sing a song in a few moments that says, My chains are gone, and I've been set free. My God, my Savior has ransomed me. Well, get that in your heads and hearts this morning. If you don't hear anything else this morning, hear that. 
I have been set free. My chains are gone. I've been set free. My God, my Savior has ransomed me. Some of us maybe still need to claim this freedom as your own. You're still so clinging to the law that you have yet to claim the freedom God has given you from the law. Not to live in disobedience to the law. We'll get to that in a moment. But there's a freedom that you have. You need to embrace it and claim it as your own. That's what Christianity is apart from Judaism. You claim it as your own. I have been set free now to live. Now, what, what Paul deals with as he writes to this church in Galatia is what this freedom looks like. And this is where people can get messed up. Because there were one group of, of uh, people called antinomians in the New Testament, and specifically this time in the New Testament. Antinomians were people who said, oh, good. I'm no longer under the law. What do you think that would mean? I no longer have to follow the law. I no longer have to, to live at least what the law says because now my freedom is in Christ. I can live as I please. Antinomians, law's not needed. Paul says, listen, let me tell you what this freedom is not. He says, this new freedom that you have in Christ, it's not the same kind of freedom that I felt when I left my, my parents' home. I really felt like I can make my own rules. I can live as I please. I get my own curfew, which what? If you go on to college, it's often 2 a.m. kind of thing, right? I can live as I please. No one to say, you can't do that. You can't do that. This freedom, unlike the freedom that I had when I left my home, it's not the kind of freedom where I make my own rules as a Christian or that I can live as I please because that's what was happening here and that's what can happen in our lives if we misunderstand the freedom that we've been given. Paul makes very clear in this passage, we are not free to make our own rules regarding how we live morally. We are not free to make our own rules and that we can live as we please because it doesn't matter regarding the law and how we live because we're saved by grace. Paul says in verse 13, listen, we are not free to indulge in fleshly desires. He says in verses 19 through 21, we're not free to engage in sexual immorality. Now you have to understand, we're in a culture here in the New Testament, in, in the Greco-Roman culture, where it was normal and even encouraged that men would just not have one wife who would bear them children, but you would have one or more mistresses that you would have for your sexual pleasures. And you would even have another woman in the home who would kind of just taking care of the dishes or in that day the laundry, however they did that. You'd have these multiple people that, that you lived with, these women. And they each had their specific role. And if you didn't have mistresses, there was something wrong with you. This is the culture that Paul is addressing. And the church is kind of looking at it and saying, well, you know, we... Everybody else seems to have a mistress. That must be okay. Paul says, no, it's not okay. You do, you're not free to indulge your fleshly desires. You're not free to engage in sexual immorality. And look at all of these things that he addresses. You're not free to do any of these things. That's not the kind of freedom you have. In other words, someone else has stated, grace isn't a license to sin. That's what was going on here in the New Testament. They said, we can live as we please. He says, no. Grace does not give you a license to live as you please. In fact, he says in verse 21, such a person is not going to inherit the kingdom of God. 
Just in case you think you can live as you please because you're saved by grace. Hear this warning. Such a person, verse 21, does not inherit the kingdom of God. That's what this freedom is not. Let's understand what this freedom really looks like and what it's for. And it's simply this. You are now free to live to please God in ways that you never could before because we didn't have the spirit in us. You are now free not to live as you please, but to live in such a way that you are pleasing God. Verses 13 and 14, he says, now you're freed up to serve and love each other like you've never done before. You couldn't do it before because you didn't have it in you. Now that you have the spirit, you have it in you to serve and love each other like you've never done before. Verse 16, you now, because you have the spirit, you can walk in the spirit. You have a new walking partner. Now listen, understand me. Your walking partner used to be the Ten Commandments. Careful, Pastor Jim, careful. Your walking partner used Judaizers. This is how you ordered your life. This was your compass in life. That's what you walked with in obedience. Now your walking partner is the Holy Spirit. And I'm going to explain to that in just a moment what the difference is. A new walking partner in the Spirit. Verses 22 and 23 says, and because of that, you also have the fruit of the Spirit. And this love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control kind of thing, you can have that now and I'm empowered to have it in you because the Holy Spirit is in you. Today is Pentecost Sunday and we celebrate the sending of the Holy Spirit. And the big deal is, is the Holy Spirit in us gives us a power that we've never had before to obey God. We cannot, never will be able to keep the Ten Commandments. Pentecost is a big deal because Jesus says, now I'm going to send you the spirit. And in fact, in John 16, he calls it the spirit of truth. I am now going to empower you because the Holy Spirit is in you. Something the law could not give you. The power to live in obedience. And this power is the life that is pleasing to God. Let's let that sink in for a moment. Because I want, to, I want to close with just three important truths that we need to keep in mind as we seek to please God with this newfound freedom. And this is kind of summarizes what, what I've been saying the last few moments. Three important truths that Paul is making very clear to Christians throughout the ages here. First of all, at least the first truth to keep in mind is the gospel message. Sometimes when we present the gospel, we can fall into the uh, danger of presenting the wrong gospel, which was happening here in the New Testament. We might be witnessing to someone and saying, well, I, yeah, I got to get my life in order. It's, it's not the kind of life that I like to have them. And you say, OK, wait a minute here. And, and you, 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 you hand them a Bible and you say, here's 10 commandments to live by. That's OK, kind of. It's okay, but we got to understand what the gospel message is. The gospel message is simply keep the gospel central, meaning you are saved by grace through faith, through Jesus Christ and the work that he has done. No one here this morning is going to be saved because of your attempt to obey the law, because you can't. No one 
It's never Jesus plus works. Some of our Catholic friends still may have an issue with this, but the Bible is very clear. You are saved by grace through Jesus Christ. You keep the gospel central. Let me be perfectly clear with this. There are still far too many Christians, and maybe some here, who still order their lives by the law. Nothing wrong with the Ten Commandments. Nothing wrong with them. But you do not order your lives by them. They're okay to read as they point out our sin. But you see, those Ten Commandments cannot make you holy. The commandments were given to point us to Jesus Christ. This is something that our tradition still has to get engraved in our hearts and minds. They were given to point us to Christ. And since Christ has come, and since Christ has fulfilled the law for us, we now have to keep the gospel central, this gospel of grace. We are no longer under the law. Oh, we can still read it. Read the Ten Commandments. They're a great guide to Christian living. But we are under grace now, and that changes the playing field. And we need, to, we need to worry less about, boy, did I keep the first or the third or the fourth or the fifth commandment? And what you should worry about more is, am I living under the equipping power of the Holy Spirit? There's a difference. We're under grace. The Spirit now, think of it this way. We're at one time before Jesus came, the law governed our lives. Now the Holy Spirit governs our lives. And in some cases, listen carefully and understand what Paul means by it. Take your eyes off of Moses. Put your eyes on Jesus Christ. Read the book of Hebrews. Some of you were just in a big study of that. Take your eyes off of Moses. There's someone greater who's come in the person of Jesus Christ. And if you want to order your life in a life that's pleasing to God, you've got to take your eyes off of Moses and you've got to put your eyes on the Jesus Christ and yet still go back to Moses and to read it because there are guides to Christian living. But sometimes we focus, this is what it's about, we focus far too much on keeping the law as opposed to focusing our eyes on Jesus Christ, the one who fulfilled it. The purpose of the law was to point us to Christ. The law's job is completed. Jesus is the big deal. First truth is to keep your mind in the gospel message. The second truth is and to keep in mind is, as we seek to please God is to, is to keep on crucifying the flesh. Uh, 5 verse 24 said, remember it says, those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Earlier in Galatians, Paul says, listen, I've been crucified with Christ and Christ no longer lives Christ lives, but now he lives in me. Crucify the flesh. Christ now lives in us, something the law could not do. Christ lives in us. I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. And there's this thing about continuing to crucify the flesh. Now, we've got to understand that. Before, we talked about justification earlier. That was a one-time event. It happens once. It's a one and done. Sanctification is something completely different. Now that we have the Holy Spirit... We have the power within us to live the kind of life God wants us to live, a life that pleases him because the Spirit is in us. And sanctification is the work of the Holy Spirit while he continues to make us holy. Now, our flesh was crucified on the cross. Jesus Christ took care of it. 
But we haven't yet fully realized it yet. And as we live in this world, as we live through our lives, we are in the process of becoming holy. That's sanctification. You're in the process of becoming holy because all of us know who lived any length of days that we struggle with our flesh. We still do. The war's already been won at the cross, but we now still have to encounter the battles. There's, there's this, this battle between flesh versus spirit. Every single person here this morning knows what I'm talking about. It's a constant battle. That's spiritual warfare. Your struggle against the flesh and the power that God has given us, those of us who receive Jesus Christ, who gives us his spirit, this ongoing battle, this almost tug of war, right, in our hearts and in our minds. I want to live by the spirit and walk with the spirit and keep in step with the spirit. And yet I have this old man, this flesh inside of me that keeps calling me back and say, you are still enslaved to me. I'm not letting you go. Jesus Christ and the cross already won the war, but we still fight the battle. Understand that it's already been won, but we still fight the battles. We keep in mind that we seek to please God with the freedom that he has given us with the gospel message. We, we, that, that second truth about seeking to please God because we keep on crucifying the flesh. And this third truth that I find in this passage that we need to keep in mind as we seek to please God with this newfound freedom. And I love this saying, I don't know who invented it. Marching to the beat of a different drummer. This is just almost the, the perfect kind of response that Paul was looking for from people. He says, listen, before Jesus came, you were all marching to the beat of a different drummer called the law. That was what you followed. That's what you ordered your life by. That was the beat that you kept and you were supposed to keep in step with the law. All the Old Testament saints were held accountable to following that law. That's, that was their relationship to God before Jesus came. Paul says, listen in Galatians 5. In fact, the whole book of Galatians. Now that you received Christ, you march to the beat of a different drummer. And that's simply how he says it in another way is, we live by the Spirit now. And let us keep in step with the Holy Spirit. Understand the difference I fear that some of us here this morning are still work so hard to keep in step with the law. You go through those Ten Commandments and you're saying, okay, I've done that. Well, I kind of messed up there. I'll repent of that. And, and, I'll, and, I, and in fact, I hang the Ten Commandments on my wall because I want to make sure I keep pleasing God in how I live. You may keep the commandments on your wall, but we now march to the beat of a different drummer. Understanding this this morning? We march to the beat of a different drummer. No longer are we under the law, but we're under Christ and under grace. The law is still useful. I still want to read the Ten Commandments because it, what does it do? It points out my sin to me. That's one avenue now. But we also now have this thing called the Holy Spirit. In which for the Christian, the law is no longer. Notice the, the compass on this picture. The law is no longer your compass. Oh, it still is for some of us. The law is no longer your compass. Your compass now is the Holy Spirit, and it becomes your moral compass. Jesus said to the disciples before he left in John 16, that the Spirit now will guide you in all truth. You want to live a Christian life? Have the Holy Spirit speak to you 
And the Holy Spirit will guide you in all truth. The Holy Spirit will guide you in, in all truth in such a way that you'll never have to worry about keeping commandments anymore because if the Spirit, if you're keeping in step with the Spirit, you will be living the Ten Commandments and more. Keep in step with the Spirit. Some of us, some of us need to stop focusing so much on the law and we've got to start focusing more on the Spirit. That's a big deal. That's New Testament theology. That's the complete theology of Galatians. Stop worrying and being all bent out of shape because you're not keeping the law. You shouldn't even be focused there. You have the Holy Spirit now, and you should focus on the Holy Spirit and the truth that God has given us and to keep in step with the Holy Spirit. You see, God's law, here we go now. Where is God's law now planted? Who knows? Right here, right? God's law is now in our hearts. It's still, it's still in Exodus 20. But because of Jesus Christ, it's now in our hearts. And the Holy Spirit within us is going to guide us on all truth. And the Holy Spirit becomes our moral compass for life. You never have to worry about keeping the law anymore. Listen closely, because the Spirit of God is in you. And the Spirit will keep you in walking in truth. We just now have a different walking partner. We're not walking hand in hand with the law. We're walking hand in hand with the Holy Spirit. And if you walk hand in hand with the Holy Spirit, guess what? You will be obeying and living the way God wants you to live. Do you see how this is just a freedom thing? You're free to live a life that's pleasing to God. That weight that you have on you, how you were in bondage to law because you go, go to bed every night and say, oh, Lord, I broke the fourth commandment again today or the fifth commandment, and on and on. You wouldn't worry like that anymore if you're keeping in step with the Spirit. You still need to confess your sins. You need, still need to confess where you have fallen short of God's will for your life. But if you focus more on the Spirit, God will give you the freedom that you have to do that as well and to live and keep in step with the Spirit. Some of us simply, I fear, are out of step with the Spirit because you're so focused on the law. This is the problem Paul was facing in the church in Galatia. They were just out of step with the Spirit. And the Judaizers were trying to make these new Christians, you got to follow this law, you got to follow this law, you got to follow that law, and here we go down the line. Paul says, no, you don't. You follow the Spirit. You keep in step with the Spirit, and you will be living the kind of obedience God wants you to live. And maybe, maybe someone here this morning, you're still marching to the beat of the wrong drummer. Oh, I, you know, this was so ingrained in me as, as a youth growing up. Nothing wrong with reading the Ten Commandments in church. Nothing wrong with reading, reading them from time to time. But something that was ingrained in me, and maybe it was my own fault, was because I would leave every Sunday morning, having heard the Ten Commandments every Sunday morning, this is how God wants me to live. True? Yes. But the problem with that is that was all before Christ came. And because Christ has come, now God says, listen, keep in step with the Spirit. This is how I want you to live. And my Spirit, where the law is written on your heart, will guide you into all truth. If you do that, you're going to be doing this. The focus, you see, changes and is somewhat different. This is Pentecost Sunday. And just as I got on top of that boat holding that 31-inch walleye saying, oh, boy, and they say, you got the Spirit. Guess what? If you're a Christian, you've got the Spirit. That's the, the moment you become a Christian, God fills you with the Spirit. 
And he says, listen, now I'm giving you a power that you've never had before. You don't have the power to keep the law. But now my spirit is in you, giving you the power to live in obedience. And I need you to embrace the new freedom that you have to love and to serve each other, to love, as this passage says, that now you can learn how to love your neighbor and myself in ways you've never done before because you didn't have the power to. Now you have the power. And now we march to the beat of a different drummer. To that end, Paul says, Pentecost Sunday, keep in step with the Spirit and you will be living the kind of life in obedience that I want you to live. Amen? Amen. Father, in Jesus' name, we thank you for your word. It's a hard teaching sometimes for us because, oh man, for so many of us, we had this great love affair with the law. We read Psalm 119 and we see this, this great love affair that the Old Testament believers had with the law. But now in Christ, we have a love affair as well, but it's with Jesus. And while we can still read Old Testament law and Old Testament obedience, and it can, can, can help us in many ways, help us more and more to understand what Hebrews as well says about where Christ is superior to Moses. And that this newfound freedom we have to, to walk in the Spirit, to be led by the Spirit, and to keep in step with the Spirit is given to those who come to Christ. And maybe someone here this morning is, is thinking, boy, I'd like to get that Spirit. How do I get it? <laughs> Lord, with your grace and mercy, show them that when they receive Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior, you bless them and gift them with this spirit and to see and experience the same freedom that so many of us here this morning live with and live by. Father, we thank you for the day of Pentecost and how you continue to fill all of those who come to you with this newfound freedom through the spirit. And may we all